With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. players on the defensive side of the ball enter into the transfer portal. Uh, Trajan Bridges maybe moving to the defensive side of the ball. Oklahoma, Texas Tech, as soon as we turn to the gridiron this weekend to host the Red Raiders for a breakfast kickoff, 11 a.m. Welcome to Sooner Nation Podcast. I'm Matt Hofeld along with Rich Cray. We are in the Vivid Seat Studios to talk about all things Oklahoma. And uh, we're going to just jump right into this. Um, I mean... Yeah, you always hate to see guys not stick around, but you know, especially a guy like Jonathan Perkins, four-star recruit who seemed to have a world of potential. But if it's not working, it's not working. And, and my my point is, both with Jonathan Perkins and Starlin Baldwin, uh, Perkins hits the transfer portal on Tuesday, Baldwin on Wednesday. I mean, if it's not working, get rid of them, let them go, and that way you can fill that spot with somebody who's going to be more into your system, more along the lines of what you're trying to do with the University of Oklahoma. Wish him nothing but the best, but look, if you don't want to be here, get out, right? <laughs> I mean, that's a harsh way of putting it, but in reality, it is the situation that is playing out here at the University of Oklahoma. You look at what Alex Grinch is doing, this quote-unquote speed defense, alongside some of the philosophical changes that just come directly by virtue of installing not only a new system but a new coach not all of these players were recruited well none of them technically should have been recruited by alex grinch at this point in time personalities may clash an ideology of where you fit on the field may clash and the reality is if you can't see eye to eye with the coach you may not play anyway so i i do think it is best for some players to begin exploring their options. I know we've mentioned a couple of names who have entered that transfer transfer portal. I don't expect it to be the last name, though, that we see early on here in the season. Well, when you look at the number of players that Alex Grinch has played on the defensive side of the ball, they, they want to have a high rate of players. They, they want those, those play counts to be extremely low because, I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that as you the more play, the more snaps that you – receive in a game the less effective you become and so when you look at the number of guys that he's played on the defensive side of the ball for a guy like Jonathan Perkins not to have received any playing time through these first three games that have been very comfortable wins that just kind of tells you your future's not right now but then you also look at a guy I mean this was a comment that I, that I saw on social media uh, with our post that uh, we put up about Jonathan Perkins transferring that you, you look at a guy like Spencer Rattler who is a five-star recruit and what is he doing? He's busting his butt on the practice squad to make sure that he's helping this team improve. He's not going to be a guy that's going to give you significant snaps this season unless something unexpected happens, which you, no one wants that. You don't want to see Jalen Hurts go down to injury. And if you're Jonathan Perkins, you don't want to see those outside linebackers ahead of you go down to injury. Now, Starlin Baldwin um, clearly was a Stoops recruit. Uh, so was uh, 
So was Perkins, but Baldwin um, with the, coming over the overcoming the knee injury from last season. It just one of those things where, like, again, I, I don't mean to be uh, you, you said harsh. I, I don't mean for it to be that way. But both of these guys are young, and and what Alex Grinch is trying to do is still new. And and we have talked extensively about the need to turn this roster over and get new players here. So if you're Alex Grinch, these guys don't want to be here. I, I've got no problem letting you go because I can get two of my guys in here to take those scholarships. This situation for me is, is one of this nature, really, when we begin to look at some of these players, obviously some of these transfers, is Oklahoma is still trying to decide who the 22 best players are at any given moment. We can go back to some of the comments that Lincoln Riley has made earlier this week when it concerns specifically position changes, which I, I know we're going to get to. Um, but when it concerns position changes, we can assume that works for these transfers as well, is that they're experimenting with guys at different positions. They're obviously looking at adding some depth, even if that means moving a guy position-wise. But ultimately, the goal is to find the 22 best players to play on the field at any given team on technically all three sides of the ball. I know we typically just look at two, so I refer to two sides of the ball and if that means that a guy's moving and all of a sudden because he's moved is further up on the depth chart then you are you're you're probably in trouble at that point in time and it's when i look at a guy like starlin baldwin it's not a talent issue he's a guy who came into oklahoma began working suffered a season injury season ending injury last year and has begun working his way back into being competitive with this team showed some explosiveness. I'm not certain what's what's going on specifically there, but what I do know is Oklahoma as a team can't worry about hurt feelings, can't worry about players being upset. The goal ultimately is to win, and it's to win a national championship. And you do have to make, as a leader, as a coach, you do have to make difficult, difficult decisions that will have further reaching effects than maybe what you initially looked at or intended for, but you're going to have to live with those consequences at the same time. So like I said, looking at transfers, it's it's ultimately about finding the 22 best players to field at any given moment, regardless of hurt feelings, regardless of decisions that will be made as a consequence of the initial decision. All right, so let's move on. Trajan Bridges, uh, again, there's there's various different ways to look at this, ways it's been said. Trajan Bridges, most popular version of the story is that he sees Oklahoma's lacking depth at the safety position. The Sooners, again, Alex Grinch trying to rotate as many players in as he can to keep those guys fresh. Trajan Bridges says, I can do that. I can play safety for you. They use the bye week to work him out at safety. Is this a story or not? I mean, is this to me, I, I'm going to tell you right now, to me, this is a big nothing burger. But what's your thought on this? My thoughts are that the media has run run this story basically into the ground. Um, the media has made it more than what I believe it is, running from the potential of him switching to switching from wide receiver, excuse me, to the defensive back position, and almost selling it as if it was a permanent deal. The only word we've got is experimentation. And I, I love that the coaching staff has brought this into the limelight and saying, look, it, it happens more often than you probably think. Is this something that happens on a consistent basis based off of that statement? I'm led to believe, yes. Now you have a guy who comes up 
shows a little bit of selflessness, has a team first mentality, and essentially is saying, look, whatever it takes, I'm your guy. If I need to switch positions, I'm your guy. And those are the guys you want in the locker room. Those are the guys you want on that roster. Is Trajan Bridges moving to the defensive back, specifically the safety position? I don't believe so. I still think he's a wide receiver at heart. And you look at what Oklahoma potentially loses this year to the NFL draft, as well as just to graduation, there are some holes to fill. So moving him as a freshman, it's highly unlikely, in my opinion. Is it to fill a need of depth? Probably. But will we ever see him play there? I'm shaking my head no. Well, I'm not going to go as far as to say that we'll never see him play there, but will we see him play significant minutes there at that position? That's where you got to kind of start asking your question, asking that that question. Trajan Bridges is a receiver. He he was brought to the University of Oklahoma as a receiver. He's one of the big three. When you talk about I'm talking about that trio of, of freshmen that are here, um, I think that's why Lincoln Riley was very specific in saying that this is nothing permanent that we're working on. And and honestly, Rich, I I don't think. If this wasn't a bye week, I don't think this would even be a story. Anybody who's been around any football program on any level knows that you say, hey, that guy right there, he, he's got a tight end type body or he's got a defensive end type body. Let's take him and let's work him out and see. That's why you see a lot of guys in high school, defensive end plays tight end. Tight end plays defensive end. Linebacker plays fullback. You know, you cornerback plays receiver. You see those guys and it happens on every level whenever you're looking at a need and you're looking at establishing depth. I like what Lincoln Riley said. Lincoln Riley said uh, this week in regards to this whole thing, which basically is what you said, blown out of proportion. He says this has gotten way further in the media than what it is. I'm not, to, I'm not going to go into much detail on what it is, but it's far from a permanent move. You know he's a talented kid, but we'll see how it plays out. It hasn't been nearly as big of a story within these walls, talking about the, the football complex. It hasn't been nearly as big of a story within these walls as it has been outside of them. Again, I don't think if, it, if Oklahoma wasn't off last week, if there was a game last Saturday, I don't think this is a story at all. But you've got a bye week. You've got to find something to write. You've got to find something to push out there. It is somewhat newsworthy based on the fact that this is one of the top you know, recruits that you had in this class with this highly touted trio of receivers, and there's the potential of him splitting time. But if anything, this is going to be more like, and I texted you this when, when you, that, this is my reply when you were talking about this story. I, my, I, if, if anything, this is going to be like Andre Wolfolk was back in the early 2000s. You know, he was a, a very talented receiver. He played defensive back. Um, you know, he played both sides of the ball for the Sooners. And I, I think that's, if anything, that's what this is. Now, Andre Wolfolk played at the corner position where Bridges clearly is working out at the safety position, but it's depth only. It's not like he's going to take a starting job away from one of those two guys that's already out there. I don't know that I'm really going to be in the same boat with you. The comparison I get, it's a popular comparison, especially today, given the moment, given the discussion and the situation that is currently playing out. But reality for me was, wasn't Wolfolk drafted as a defender in the NFL I you said you see it playing out similarly you think that there's going to be a permanent move for Bridget no no Wolfolk didn't play he he was he was never permanent 
he was both sides of the ball. He, he took in any in, in games. Think back to that 2000 game against Nebraska. Think about that amazing. You're, you're probably too young to remember. I, I don't know. But he had this amazing catch. You can Google it. You can look for it on, on YouTube. Amazing catch where he's falling down. He's on his back and he and he catches the ball that's as Oklahoma's rallying in that game They after getting down early. He was that type of athlete where he could play both sides of the ball. He just happened to have more potential on the defensive side of the ball, according to the New York Jets, who ended up drafting him. I'm not saying this will be a a, a, a full-time move for Bridges to the defensive side of the ball. What I'm saying is if he plays defense, I think he's still going to make an appearance on the offensive side of the ball. I, that's what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know what his NFL future is. He's only a true freshman right now. But what I do know is, is there's no way they're letting go of him on offense. I can completely agree with that last statement that you've made. You look at the talent on the offensive side of the ball that came in as true freshmen this year, and it's hard to go in. And essentially, it's not just a trio that we're looking at. We need to look at the entire um, quintet, if you will, of players because you've mentioned Spencer Rattler. Obviously, um, we've got the three receivers, but we're not even mentioning the tight end. At this point in time, Stogner, when I'm looking at that group on the offensive side of the ball, the only thing you're missing is a running back. I think Oklahoma, Marcus Major, Oklahoma. But yeah, but he didn't come in as this. Oh, the saviors of the offense for the future. It was all talks about the wide receiver. Yeah, but Major was pretty talented. I mean, he, he was highly talented. It, it, that was a big get for Oklahoma. Texas was really in on him heavy. The Longhorns wanted him. A lot of people wanted him. So to get him to come to be a part of this class is a big deal. All I'm saying is, yeah, you're right. He wasn't one of those those four guys that's that's a pass catcher, and he definitely wasn't the five-star quarterback. But don't don't sleep on him as far as – because there was a lot of Adrian Peterson comparisons with him coming in to Oklahoma. Yeah, all I'm getting at here is when we look at that group, we'll throw Major in there as well. And we'll say Thank you. When we look at the six, this is a group that essentially sets you up for the next at least two, maybe three years following this season. If I'm looking at that group and saying, okay, we're going to start messing with the positions, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It's an entertaining thought. It's something, again, we've seen the media run with. You've mentioned Lincoln Riley pulling that out and putting it into context for us. But as we sit here and we have this conversation centering around position move, moves, Bridges, I, I feel like incredible athlete, too difficult to not put on the field, which is why we've seen him play in the three games so far, well, he, also, I mean, he's also made contributions on special teams as well. And he's got one more game before burning that red shirt. If, well, I guess two more, and and they would burn that red shirt. I like I said, I like the idea of that group of six playing together and being those familiar faces, those household names here regionally, maybe even nationally, when it comes to the Oklahoma Sooners to break that up. Like I said. I'm. I just don't see where it makes sense. Well, and I think also it's important to note that in all of the conversations that Lincoln Riley has had in regards to this topic is that he's mentioned nothing permanent, that they're not doing anything permanent, which again tells you that Trajan Bridges is the guy on the offensive side of the ball. 
Texas Tech coming to town to uh, Sooners open up conference play. We're going to get right into that. This is the Sooner Nation podcast, the online podcast for Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, Rich, let me ask you this question uh, before we jump into Texas Tech. You, you have an opinion on this, and I'm just going to let you talk. Uh, Oklahoma, and transfer QBU is what this is uh, coming down to. Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, now Jalen Hurts. Derry King, any interest at all, at all, just like a little bit with Derek King? From me personally? Yeah, as, as an Oklahoma fan. I mean, I mean, this is a guy, I, I get it. I know Spencer Rattler. I see his talent. I think the future is bright with him. But you've got a guy who's going to be a fifth-year senior, potentially a graduate transfer. I, I still think there's more potential. He stays in Houston than he goes anywhere else. But potentially a graduate transfer who's very developed. Is there any interest at all in him? My my vantage point, absolutely. You look at one of the most electrifying playmakers in the college football realm, and you immediately think of a guy like Derek King. However, I I would like to weigh the consequences of such a decision from the coaching staff. It's a trend <laughs> that we're starting to see here in Norman. Baker Mayfield, transfer from Texas Tech. Kyler Murray, transfer from Texas A&M. And now you've got Jalen Hurts, transfer from Alabama. That takes up four years of eligibility. Can you imagine if you came in as a freshman recruit and sat behind Baker Mayfield, then Kyler Murray, and now Jalen Hurts? Yeah, you end up being a starting quarterback for the West Virginia Mountaineers. Exactly, which is precisely what I was going to say. It's a trend that we're seeing, I think, we may see some rule changes to the way the the transfer portal works in this four-game news that we've been hearing players playing. Obviously, King being the biggest name to come out of this current news cycle, playing in four games, a one-and-three record, now deciding to set out for the remainder of the season and utilize that red shirt. I, at this point, would love to have a guy, if I'm a coach, would love to have a guy like King, because of his experience, because of the playmaking ability, the dual threat nature, and how difficult, excuse me, that that is to defend. But the reality is you also have to weigh the consequences of such a decision. And when I'm looking at the consequences, I love King. I love his play style. I don't love the consequences. Yeah, I'm with you on that because you look at the risk reward there. I mean, the reward was worth, in my opinion, this year for for uh, for Jalen Hurts, the the re- reward was worth losing Austin Kendall because you got Spencer Rattler coming in, right? And so now Spencer Rattler will be a year developed when he has the opportunity to take the reins of this offense. But now you look at the potential of losing a Spencer Rattler if you bring in a Derek King. But all that said, I mean, you'd love to have this kid and, and the tools that he has in Lincoln Riley's offense. There's no doubt that he can't be successful in that. All right, let's talk about Texas Tech, Oklahoma. Uh, first thought, um, 11 a.m. kickoff. Are you a fan? Never. 
Okay, just thought we'd uh, throw that out there. This is the first of three weeks for Oklahoma 11 a.m. kickoffs. The Sooners hosting Texas Tech. By the way, if you haven't got your tickets yet, they're available. Vivid Seats, vividseats.com, promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, <laughs> promo code OVERTIME, and uh, you can get cash back. Uh, you can get money back on your t- your first ticket purchase if you use that promo code. So uh, tickets are available. 11 a.m. kickoff. Um, you know, when, when you look at Oklahoma against this Texas Tech defense, I, I according to the stats – this is going to be the best defense that Oklahoma's played. They're, they're giving up 13.7 points per game, less than two touchdowns per game. Uh, 306 yards of offense is what they're allowing per game. Um, they they currently rank 16th nationally, and they're the second uh, scoring defense in the Big 12. And, and when you look at this matchup, for me, what I'm really excited about is it's strength on strength. You know, when you talk about Oklahoma and you talk about Lincoln Riley, yeah, they can run the ball. The Sooners run the ball with the best of them. But Oklahoma runs the ball to set up the pass, and that's always going to be the heart of what Oklahoma does under Lincoln Riley. That's why you've got quarterbacks winning back-to-back Heisman trophies. Well, Texas Tech right now ranks third nationally in passing defense, only allowing 133.7 yards per game. And for the season, they've only given up two passing touchdowns. And they've, they've, with that, they've got two interceptions. So this is a good matchup on paper for Oklahoma. Um, and, and that's where I start. When I, when, I, when I begin to break this game down, I look at the strength on strength. And, and you, of course, you got the Red Raiders 2-1, Oklahoma sitting at uh, 3-0. and But uh, this game is going to come down to Jalen Hurts versus Texas Tech defense. I believe the the numbers that you used, while valid, we do have to keep in mind that they may be just a little bit skewed. Montana State, UTEP, not exactly two powerhouse programs, non-Power 5 members as well. You've got to take into account at least some of that when you're giving out a weighted grade, so to speak. Well, that's what I kept saying on paper. Okay, I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm throwing that in there. I'm just talking about the stats on paper. Here, here's what I'm looking at specifically with Texas Tech. I do agree with you. I, I think that they have a group, a front seven that is capable of slowing down a run game. However, Oklahoma is not known. They are known for a power run game. Um, I think that's becoming more and more evident, and it's easy to forget about that with this. A crazy efficiency numbers from previous quarterbacks and the current one. But here's here's where I'm going with this. Texas Tech, I believe, has the front seven to slow down a, a running attack. What Texas Tech hasn't been asked to do at this point in time is use those linebackers in the pass game consistently. And Oklahoma is a program that is going to find some of those weaknesses. They're even going to find points where you think that you have a strength, and they're going to expose that. It's just the kind of program that Oklahoma has built over the course of the past 20, 25 years now, basically. We've also got a, an offensive mind like Leak and Riley who seems to have a knack at game planning against a team who, again, Texas Tech, looking at specifically the linebackers, you've got Jordan Brooks leading the Big 12 with, what is it, 35 tackles, double-digit tackles now, and going back one more game here, four straight games. So it's a capable linebacking crew. I'm just curious to know for Texas Tech, how will they fare when they're asked to drop into coverage? Because it's going to happen especially if Oklahoma goes with a five-wide a five set. Well, here's, here's where it, 
you know, again, Oklahoma's going to have to pass the football because I, I agree that this front seven is is pretty formidable for Texas Tech. But I, I like what, you know, you, you, you dive into the statistics. You talk about Montana State, you talk about UTEP, whatever. I, I want to look at Khalil Tate, Arizona quarterback against this defense because Khalil Tate's the closest thing that they've seen to Jalen Hurts. And, and they were pretty stout against Khalil Tate as far as passing, 14 and 23, 185 yards. He had one touchdown to two interceptions. But Khalil Tate also ran 17 times for 129 yards and another touchdown against this defense. And so when you look at what Khalil Tate has at his disposal as far as the skill positions out on the edge and the, the running backs in the backfield, and then really comparing the physical specimen of Khalil Tate to Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, like I said, they run to pass. And I would expect Oklahoma to really – you talked about five wide, spread it out. I don't know that they're going to do – that as much as you're going to see the spread, but I think you're always going to see a running back in the backfield. Oftentimes you may go with two running backs in the backfield just so you can have the misdirection. And, and I, I think this is a game when we've, we've talked about Jalen hurts and the need to run the ball. He didn't really need to run the ball uh, against South Dakota. I don't know that he needed to run the ball against UCLA. You can make an argument for or against with Houston, but I think this is a game where Jalen Hurts, you see the value of his ability to run because you've got to, when we've talked about this, if you're the defensive coordinator, you've got to roll over top of CeeDee Lamb. That's got to take two people away. You've got to know where Charleston Rambo is. There's your third person. You've got to know where Grant Calcaterra is. And so you get these linebackers stretched, and now all of a sudden it's one-on-one battles. And sometimes that leaves just by the way, just by the scheme, that leaves either the running back or the quarterback un, you know, unaccounted for, and you'd beat one guy past the line of scrimmage, next thing you know, you're 15 yards downfield. I think that's how this comes into play to where you've got to focus more on this running game, which softens you up to hit Charleston Rambo down the seam, to hit, I, again, CeeDee Lamb, I don't understand how he does it. CeeDee Lamb finds a way to just to be wide open every game, you know? And because of this, though, because of, of what we're talking about, the way Lincoln Riley does this, it creates so many mismatches that you really can't account for all the weapons. If we're, I feel like we're, we're diving headfirst into Texas Tech defense versus Oklahoma's offense here. And, and one of the things that we haven't even mentioned yet, let, let me start off by, by saying this. I believe up to this point of the season, Oklahoma has faced some quality playmakers. You can talk about DTR. You can talk about Derek King. I don't know who we got in the middle of, of those two, but they faced some quality, quality playmakers, some true athletes. As we step into Big 12 play, Oklahoma is running into a more of a complete team that isn't heavily relying on a single player to shoulder the burden of the production, whether that's on the offensive side or the defensive side of the ball. So with that, with that statement out of the way, here's one thing I'm also curious to know is how will Jalen Hurts, as we step up in competition, you've mentioned the stats on the defensive side of the ball, how will Jalen Hurts respond to being in a Big 12 contest for the very first time? 
These are, typically speaking, heavy-hitting offenses that rely on the defenses to get just enough stops in order to win the game. No one's expecting a shutout when Big 12 teams clash on the gridiron. Again, how will Jalen Hurts handle that? I think we will see or will learn more about just how far he's advanced as a passer on Saturday because, again, just stepping into that, that Big 12 play. Yeah, so let's talk about offensive keys to the game. I mean, if, if I'm if I'm Lincoln Riley, the first thing I'm telling my guys is, well, first of all, but before you do one of your top keys of the game, you got to tell your offensive line we need clean play. We've yet to see a clean play from the offensive line in any of these games. The first two games, it was the left side of the offensive line against UCLA. It was the right side of the offensive line, and so if I'm if I'm Bill Bedenbo, I'm working out those guys on the line about fundamentals and clean play and getting off the ball. Marquise Hayes being back is a huge plus for this offensive line. But that's that's where it starts for me because first and 10 and first and 20, two different stratospheres as far as what your strategy is. So clean play on the offensive line. And then from there, you've got to look at uh, – I think you got to run the ball. Uh, and I've, that's what I've already tried to kind of hinted at, it. whether you're using Trey Sermon or whether you're using Candy Brooks or whether you're using Jalen Hurts. You, you If Oklahoma – if I understand what Oklahoma needs to do correctly, it is established to run to set the path. That's my first offensive key. What do you got? Yeah, when I'm looking at this Texas Tech defense, one thing that seems to be a consistent issue for Oklahoma versus Texas Tech, I believe, has been turnovers. I was trying to look at what the stats were for last year to make sure that I was right on this. Kyler Murray threw two interceptions last year. Of course, I believe Oklahoma was trailing at half. In that game, looked to be in a little bit of trouble. Looked to see, looked as if they were having just a slight issue there in handling this Texas Tech team on the road. Obviously, getting Texas Tech in Norman here, but what I'm looking at is Oklahoma and and protection of the football. You have to hang on to the ball in order to secure a win against a team like Tech, and that's regardless if they have Allen Bowman or not. Well, they don't have Alan Bowman. I mean, we know that. We know that's for sure. And and so um, you're you're right. Take care of the ball. Run the ball. And then and then hit those down. You're going to have those moments because if they're able to effectively run the football, which I think they will. I mean, again, if Khalil Tate can go for 129 yards, I I don't see why Jalen Hurts can't do this. Take advantage of those moments when you're open downfield because every successful Jalen Hurts run means that safety's cheat up and cheat up in there. And then they're not looking at their guy. They're looking at the backfield. When you have those moments to hit Charleston Rambo or Jay, or, um, or CeeDee Lamb or you know, Grant Calcadere, when you have those downfield shots, you hit them and you take advantage of them. So offensive side of the ball, to me, clearly, I, I, I mean, we always say it's, it's not fair, but clearly Jalen Hurts is the player to watch for me on this offense because this is going to be what, what we've seen him set up for these first three games this is what the, he, this is what he needs to do. We need to see him use his legs and use his legs effectively, and then we need to see him have a high completion percentage. I do concur with you. That was the individual that I would have singled out as well when looking for someone who needs to produce at a consistent but at a high level. It is Jalen Hurts. As I've mentioned, I believe this is a game where we begin to see just how much – since his time at Alabama, now at Oklahoma, and not even being on campus for a year, but we see how much he's developed as a passer. Or <laughs> maybe it's not necessarily Jalen Hurts developing as a passer. It's just finally allowing him to utilize that skill set. 
we talked about Alabama being about no turnovers. We have a, a strong, a stout defense. We'll punt it away and we'll get the ball back and we'll go back to work on the offensive side of the ball. At Oklahoma, that's not necessarily the case. Jalen Hurts does have to produce. You've talked about hitting these guys who are open down the field, stretching the field vertically. We've talked about this on on numerous occasions, and I do believe that that's what Oklahoma is going to do. But again, it's heavily reliant upon that progression that Jalen Hurts is making here at the University of Oklahoma. All right, so uh, I've got Jalen Hurts as one of my offensive players to watch. You got another one uh, you want to throw out there? Or are, you, are you sticking with Jalen Hurts? As, all right, the other guy I'm going I, I got to pick a running back, and I don't think this is going to be a, a Ramon J. Stevenson-type game because he's usually my guy. I think he'll get in there late, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go with Kennedy Brooks because he seems to be that home run threat. Um, who, who else you got on the offensive side of the ball to keep an eye on? <laughs> uh, you've mentioned this, um, and it's something – that we're going to continue to watch. It's that left side of this offensive line. The left side of the offensive line in three games has had one above average game, in my opinion, and the rest have been very suspect. You've talked about Marquise Hayes returning to that starting lineup, but I'm curious to know, not to say it was a fluke, but I'm curious to know if they can play at that level consistently or that was just the highlight reel of the entire season for that left side of the offensive line more importantly um, I know we've seen RJ Proctor kind of mixed in there in different roles not necessarily starting all the time either so if I'm going to single out a guy I'd like to see him as a senior as a veteran as a guy who's experienced really step in when he's given that opportunity and produce like we know he has the potential to produce that i mean honestly my my opinion here is is barring injury you see very little of rj proctor if anything at all if these games if this game holds to the pattern that you've had in the years past where it's really just kind of a shootout type game where every possession counts you keep in mind rj proctor didn't get in the game until garbage time against ucla and the first thing that happens when he gets in there is you've got a penalty on the left side of the ball oh wait it's him so I, I don't know. I, I think if you're Bill Bedenboe, your conference play now. I mean, this counts towards that, you know, winning that next Big 12 championship and getting in the playoffs. Unless this game gets out of control, which I think there's potential for that, you may not see, see R.J. Proctor get until Kansas the following week. That's, the, that's our recap for the offense, our, our preview for the offense. we got to talk about Oklahoma's defense versus a potent Texas Tech offense. We'll be right back. Student Nation Podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. Okay, well, Rich is going to bring us back from the break, and so he just uh, looked at me uh, like uh, like he was a deer in the headlights. Um, when you look at the defensive uh, side of the ball here, Rich, um, this is, I mean, this, Matt Wells, I think, is when you look at what he did at Utah State, you look at his track record and what he was able to accomplish and the things that uh, he brought to that program that he's going to instill, I believe, in Lubbock, Texas. Right now, the, the Red Raiders are 12th nationally in passing yards per game, 341. They're 65th nationally in rushing yards per game, which you think, okay, 65th, that's bottom half, but it's 167 yards per game on the ground. And then there's 32 points per game that they're scoring. You, you look at this, again, we're talking about on paper, that this looks like a, a, a good matchup, a good test for this Oklahoma defense. 
But then you realize, oh, Alan Bowman's not there. And and even when Alan Bowman was in the game against Arizona two weeks ago, they were very ineffective against a Wildcats defense that I don't believe has been uh, as impressive as this Oklahoma defense had been through the first three games. So I think there's a big, big question mark here on two things. And and really it is the quality of the opponent. You You already mentioned that with Montana State and UTEP. The quality of the opponent and also the quality of the quarterback play, those two things are going to determine whether this is an actual test for this defense or not. When I, I I'm just going to jump straight into this. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I'm looking at this, this Oklahoma Sooners defense, uh, I'm looking at who they're going to be lining up against. One of the things that I specifically have been touting pretty highly on the website has been the play of Parnell Motley. And we've seen statistically him rank at the top of the country through the first three games of the season. However, if you will recall, the this secondary, Parnell Motley, Trey Brown, whoever else we want to throw out there at these corner positions has struggled against some of the taller receivers in conference play, play previously. Texas Tech coming to town, guess what they're bringing? Oh, yeah, that's right, a 6'6" receiver who has the ability to high point the ball keep you from even touching it one because of the size of his frame but also the ability to use that the knowledge on how to use that to put himself between the defender and the ball tj vasher being the name of that receiver who's not only caught 18 passes but seems to go off two touchdowns i believe it's 246 yards that he has there, I'm significantly worried that we're going to see this defense, specifically this secondary, take a step backwards this week. And again, we know Texas Tech is playing without Alan Bowman. We know what we get when we are looking at the backup Jet Duffy, not necessarily a passer, more of a guy who wants to make things happen with his feet. But we have a question mark. We We have an intangible at this point in time because you have – I'm going to butcher this last name, Jackson Tyner, um, transferring in from Rice. There's not much to go off on this guy. Like I said, he's that question mark. He's the intangible at this situation. If they can figure out how to use him, how to complete passes and get Basher open, I think this secondary, like I said, could struggle. And that's – we're talking about things we're watching, players that have to have an impact – I'm going with Parnell Motley, and I'm just jumping straight into it. Well, and, and again, it, you know, Matt Wells said that you're going to see both quarterbacks, Jared, uh, Jet Duffy and Jackson Tyner, both are going to be playing. And then he's not tipping his hand as if, if one's going to get more than the other. Now, we do know Duffy uh, last year, 67.5% completion percentage for 1,200, just over 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns and six interceptions. If there's one big difference between him and Bowman, I do believe it's that Duffy – is more turnover prone, and if you've got an advantageous defense that Oklahoma is developing, that's good for you because you want to snag those two turnovers per game. I think what it comes down to, you talk about Parnell Motley, something that we've talked about frequently is the ability to put pressure in the backfield with your defensive front, how that helps your secondary really improve. And so for, for Oklahoma, the good news is they get even more depth to what has been a good defensive front through the first three weeks of the season when you put Kenneth Mann back there on that defensive line. So 
you can expect him to kind of add continued depth and continued pressure. But what you're, what you're saying is 100% correct. If the quarterback has time to set up in the pocket to make his read and to make the throw, what Alex Grinch wants to do is to not allow that to happen. And to me, that makes Jet Duffy a little bit more dangerous of a quarterback because of his athleticism. You're almost back to the De'Aaron King game plan where you want to pressure him, you want to make him uncomfortable, but you also want to contain him with your defensive ends or whoever your, your safety or nickel comes up. You want to contain him to keep him in the pocket Make him uncomfortable. Make him uncomfortable in the pocket, though, to where he has to step up and flush straight up into the linebackers instead of get loose to the outside. Yeah, I see where you're coming from, and it's. I'm just gonna throw out my second guy then, because we're we're headed straight down that line. You look at Jalen Redman playing in three games, utilizing the red shirt last year, coming back. A five-star recruit has absolutely lived up to the billing through the first three games of the season. He's off to a monster start and has proven that he, in my opinion, will be playing on Sundays in the future. One of the top weak side defensive ends in his class. He's a guy that you have to account for on every single possession just because of the tenacity, because of that drive, the desire to get into the backfield. But you're mentioning it with Duffy. We've seen the aggressiveness of Oklahoma hurt them at times as well. And Duffy, who is prone to run, who has zero issues tucking and darting from that line of scrimmage, that can essentially, for Texas Tech, pay some dividends. Now, in terms of them stepping into this game here in Norman, it being on the road, without a starting quarterback, I I'm not predicting it this to be a close game by any stretch of the imagination. But what I am saying is that Texas Tech has the players to expose some of the issues that we've already seen with this Oklahoma defense and expose it more consistently than what these first three teams have been able to do. If, like you're saying, this defensive line can get that pressure, Neville Gallimore, uh, Redmond, whoever else, whatever else, other names that we want to throw out there, if they're able to get that initial pu push, collapse the pocket in the middle, but also get that containment. Oklahoma's going to have a field day on defense, and I think they stick with the trend of the two turnovers per game. Well, again, I, I agree 100% on Jalen Redmond, and, and I think also you look back uh, at, in your linebacker spot. I think Kenneth Murray has a big role in this. You know, you mentioned Parnell Motley. If you're Oklahoma, I think we're on the same same page. You create havoc at the point of attack. You've got to win the line of scrimmage. You've got to create um, mismatches. Uh, whether you're using big nav right there in the middle or you're bringing pressure from one of the Russians just to just be disruptive in the backfield. But then again, you got to get turnovers. And so that's, that's, that's where I am. The, the only other player that I'm going to throw out there that we haven't mentioned is I think Kenneth Murray. I think Kenneth Murray uh, has a big opportunity here to kind of mop up, clean up. Remember the kind of vicious tackles he made in that season opener um, against Derek King and company where he is just kind of the guy they, 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 they funneled everything to him and he's really just kind of horse collaring people and violently throwing them to the ground. Um, and so I think you have the opportunity to see that again from Kenneth Murray here, anything else in the defense that stands out or anything that, that bothers you or, or you wanted to point out that may be an advantage for him? No, just that I don't expect to see Trajan Bridges there. Well, okay. Yeah, we'll go with that. All right. Uh, we're going to give you the big 12 rundown and then we got to, uh, 
uh, in with our Oklahoma Texas Tech score predictions. You listen to the Sooner Nation podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland at Sports Heartland on Twitter. Okay, Rich, um, we hit the first full week, and not really full week as far as all 10 teams playing, but all you've got this weekend is Big 12 conference action. No non-conference games. That is that is finished. Um, and, and going through here, you know, I, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why Oklahoma uh, is the 11 a.m. kickoff, but it is what it is. I think Kansas State, Oklahoma State, at the last game of the day, is going to be a good game. I really do. We're, we'll talk about that, but let, let's jump in here. TCU, Kansas, what are your thoughts there? Uh, any chance at all the Jayhawks can can pull the SMU and, and upset the Horned Frogs? After last week, I, I was on board with Gary Patterson, the defense being able to slow down these offenses, yet still remain opportunistic, getting turnovers and utilizing that to their advantage. Didn't happen last week. Kansas... Uh, The verdict to me was settled last week when they lost to West Virginia. Kansas is the worst team in the Big 12. Will they beat TCU? No, but this one, it could could provide just a few surprises for those watching. Yeah, I I give uh, – this game for me is all about TCU. Uh, The Horned Frogs, big setback last week, losing to SMU. Do Do we want to talk about that? We want to bring that up. Uh, because I feel like one of us said that that was going to be a tough game for the Frogs, and one of us said, no, no no chance is going to be a tough game. Do you remember how that conversation went? Of course I do. You, you want to rehash it? No, of course I don't. Did we not bet something? Were you not supposed to bring me a Gatorade or something over that? No, so it wasn't that – the wager we made wasn't actually on the TCU-SMU game. We had two other simultaneous – games going on one of those was a game that would be decided by about three points i said no way jose and another one that i you said six i said ten it was six on the nose and the other one was three on the dot so did i lose absolutely we were talking about texas and oklahoma state i said texas would win that one by ten and the second one i I just can't remember which game that it was, but it was something about a three-point win. So I hit both of those right on the money? Yeah, on the nose. Where's my Gatorade? It's still at the store. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, Kansas TCU, we got that going to the Horned Frogs. 2.30 kickoff, Iowa State, Baylor. Uh, this is a big game, a big game for both schools. Uh, you know, Baylor rolling 3-0, and Iowa State kind of getting back uh, on track after losing to um, losing to Iowa with a big win in week three. Uh, what, what, you know, it's, it's in Waco, so you think that that's an advantage to the Bears? I, I mean, I've got some thoughts, but I, I want to let you go first on this one. Yeah, the, the thing that I'm looking at is Iowa State's really playing for redemption at this point in time with a slow start that they've had to the season. Not only were we surprised in week one when they went to triple overtime in order to win the game, but of course that loss to Iowa that everyone thought would be a competitive game simply by the nature of it being a rivalry. Needless to say, I'm looking at a Baylor team that still has a lot to prove. That is one of those teams that's on the rise in my power rankings, (laughs) at least. And so they have to prove themselves. How is Matt Campbell going to respond? How is this defense going to respond when, when they get punched in the mouth by an offense like the one Baylor is is going to be essentially placing on a home field and daring Iowa State to do something. 
about it. I don't expect Baylor to play a ton of defense, but if Iowa State just completely, completely lays a turd on the offensive side of the ball like they did in week one, Baylor's Baylor's going to run away with it. Well, I I, I agree. I as far as the um, the power rankings, I moved Baylor to number three this week in my power rankings. But that had more to do with Oklahoma State and TCU losing than it had to do with Baylor winning. But I, I thought Baylor was very unimpressive against Rice last week. To me, if I'm a Baylor's fan, I look at that game, I'm like, oh, man, we got question marks. Okay, first two games of the season, you didn't really see a lot of big, glaring question marks. That third game, a, a Rice team that Texas beat soundly, and people are talking about the big struggle Texas is having on defense. Well, Baylor really struggled against a Rice team that Texas just hammered. Um, so I, I put Baylor there, but I'm, I'm not comfortable there at number three. I think Iowa State beats them. The Cyclones are a three-point favorite on the road. I think this is a 10-point game for the Cyclones. I, I'm saying two scores. Iowa State takes this game by two scores on the road in Waco. Now, if I'm understanding you right, you're on the other side of that? I'm not on the other side of that. I think Iowa State is the more sound football team at this point in time. Baylor, like I said, still needs to prove some things. They're rising through the ranks. But where we had Iowa State at the beginning of the season was playing a competitive role in the Big 12 championship picture. They haven't lived up to that billing. Do they have that potential? Absolutely. So when I'm looking at Iowa State, they're the more talented team. They're the more complete team. Baylor's just playing this role of we're rising through the ranks and we're doing it our own way. I said that if Iowa State can't score points, that they will be in trouble. Yeah, I, I just don't see them not scoring points against what is a very suspect Baylor defense. Okay, uh, the late game, uh, ESPN Plus is just it's garbage. I, I hate the fact that you have to have this app or whatever to to watch the ESPN Plus games. Big 12's got to figure a way to get out of that. But Kansas State at Oklahoma State, we, again, we, we talked about Iowa State-Baylor being a big game. This is huge for Oklahoma State. Just from the standpoint, you're, you're already behind the eight ball in conference play, sitting 0-1 after losing at Texas last weekend. Now you host a Kansas State team that's in the top 25 this week that is a very physical football team. And by the way, they're undefeated. Oklahoma State, four-and-a-half-point favorite. Again, I've got my opinion here, but I want to hear yours first. <laughs> when I'm – man, this is this is a really interesting or intriguing game. And it's hard for me to – this is where I was initially going. It's hard for me to go one way or the other. And you look at the product on the field for Oklahoma State – offensively they have taken leaps and bounds forward offensive line that's where the improvement must be made quality running back you've got a freshman quarterback freshman if i'm not mistaken yeah first year starter at redshirt freshman first year starter at the quarterback position who has shown poise through that interception on the road at texas came right back is throwing down the field and is is actually connecting with players on bombs. I mean, absolute bombs. So you talk about the confidence, the poise, and the composure of a guy, but you also have to throw in the athleticism. I think they've got something there. Then we haven't even mentioned, you know, Tylen Wallace, Austin Stoner. Uh, Austin? Dylan. Dylan, thank you. Austin Stogner. Austin Stogner plays for Oklahoma. Right. So you have Dylan Stoner 
Tylen Wallace, two very capable receivers. The only thing that's missing for them has been a cons- the consistent play along the offensive line. If they can put that together, they're a formidable offense. They're nearly a formidable offense without that offensive line. The questions have really come on the defensive side of the ball for me. When I'm looking at, at Kansas, impressive start to the season, an unexpected start as well. Obviously, you step out of conference into the SEC. You get that win. My question really becomes, after this loss for Oklahoma State, how will they respond? They're returning home. They're facing, like I said, I I think we can go ahead and say they're the surprise team of the Big 12 so far this year. How will they respond to this Kansas State team who, in my opinion, believes that Oklahoma State's not going to be able to stop them? Well, and I think that's what it comes down to when you when you look at this Kansas State team. Uh, you know, they're, what they're going to bring is a physical brand of football. And when you look at Oklahoma State last week against Texas, what they were unable to do was really set the edge to attack it with Chuba Hubbard's speed. They they were dominated on both sides of the line or both sides of the ball. They were dominated at the line of scrimmage. And and one thing we know about Kansas State, go back to Bill Snyder, is that. They, they built up their reputation of bringing it. They're going to be physical up front. Oklahoma State has shown that they've struggled up front. Here's the other thing that Oklahoma State has struggled, uh, shown that they struggle with through the first three games of the season is they struggle stopping the run. Texas ran all over them. Texas is a team that hasn't run on anyone this, se- this season, but they were able to take advantage of Oklahoma State's scheme defensively. And if Oklahoma State doesn't change their defensive scheme, I think Kansas has a lot of success. That's why I said Kansas State has a lot of success here. I, if I'm if I'm Oklahoma State, I am stacking that box, and I'm daring them to beat me through the air. I'm daring them to do it. Now I don't know that they will, but to me that's Oklahoma State's best chance against this Kansas State team. Yeah, the Cowboys have the explosive offense. They, they've got the guys that you mentioned that can just score in one play. But Kansas State has the ability to grind this thing out and put together 10, 11 play scoring drives that whether it's a field goal or whether it's a touchdown, more it has done more damage by the way it has taken time off the clock, particularly if they're playing from ahead. If you're Oklahoma State, you want to get out front and you want to score first and you want to score fast. Kind of take Kansas State out of their groove. I don't know that they can do that. Because I don't know, I don't know that I trust them to really manage the line of scrimmage the way that they need to. Chuba Hubbard is a explosive back, but he had to work for every dang yard he got against Texas. And I think that continues again this week. I think this is a very fun game. It's a back and forth game. I think it's a close game. I think Oklahoma State gets upset at home in Stillwater. I really do. I'm calling for the upset here. Kansas State kind of puts themselves on the map even more than they already are. By uh, by taking out the mullet in Stillwater. Yeah, if Kansas State comes in, can can control the clock. I, I believe their best asset is going to be keeping the ball out of Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders' hands. At this point in time, they're averaging just under 300 yards on the ground. You can expect similar numbers, if not more, because of, absolutely expect more. Yeah, because of exactly what you said. I just dug into the numbers real quick. Oklahoma State. Ninth in rushing defense in the Big 12. Kansas State second in rushing yards per game. It is their bread and butter. It's strength against weakness. If they can grind out the clock, like I said, maintain possession. The big thing for Oklahoma State is going to be creating turnovers. 
Because I do believe if if they do as you're instructing them to do and they stack the box and they force Skyler Thompson to throw the ball, I believe they'll come up with at least one turnover. Is that a potential game-breaking turnover? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see this game play out. But I'm with you. I think it's a close game. I think it's a very competitive game. Oklahoma State going to have to get out and score quick because Kansas State's just going to chew up the clock and put the ball in the end zone. Cowboys, four-and-a-half-point favorites. What do you got? Um, I think that line's a really good betting line uh, because this could very easily be a three-point game or a one-point game. Um, I, in this conversation, I've been undecided. Now that I'm on the clock and needing to make a decision, one turnover is not going to be enough. And I'm just not certain if Kansas State runs the ball consistently where the second one comes from. So I am going to take Kansas State as well in this one. And I'm going to take – do you want me to give a score prediction or can I just say I'm going to take them by three? That's fine with me. All right, Oklahoma, here's the moment of truth. Oklahoma, 27-point favorites over under is 71 points. Years past have brought us explosive uh, touchdown field games. You see that going this way uh, Saturday? And what is your score prediction for the Sooners? I do see Oklahoma because Oklahoma is such a balanced offense. They are extremely difficult one to prepare for, but two to actually stop. When you look at the weapons that Oklahoma has, they can essentially score at will. I think Oklahoma freely moves up and down the field on the offensive side of the ball. Now they will have certain moments where we see some something that Texas Tech does defensively that just throws. Oklahoma, but I don't think it's an issue where we see Oklahoma struggle consistently on the offensive side of the ball. And it's because I believe Texas Tech's, their strength on paper has been the secondary, but we've talked about this linebacking crew and the capabilities there as well. So Oklahoma moves up and down freely, little blips here and there offensively. They limit turnovers, and, and I think Oklahoma runs away with it. My score prediction for the game is is 49-17. to 17. Okay, we're we're fairly close to one another on score prediction for the Sooners. I, I've got Oklahoma winning this thing, fifty-two to thirty. At, I'm I'm not. I hey, look. I this is a this is Big Twelve offense, okay. And um and I, I even if it's a backup quarterback, let's not pretend like we haven't seen Oklahoma uh, get torched by backup quarterbacks, okay. Let's go back to Iowa State a couple years ago and Norman. Um, I, I think Oklahoma is able to get their stops. I think they force one or two turnovers in this game. And that, that ends up being a difference maker. Um, I'm not ready yet to take Oklahoma. I, I don't have enough faith in this defense yet to take Oklahoma in a 27-point spread in conference play. So I, I think Oklahoma scores. I think they score a lot. I've got them with 52. But I also think Texas Tech finds a way uh, to make some uh, have some success uh, against this Oklahoma defense. Just enough to keep it interesting, but never really uh, make it uh, a threat to the Sooners. That's going to wrap it up for us on this episode of the Sooner Nation podcast. He's Rich. I'm Matt. We'll be back Saturday to talk about um, to talk about the game and the results, our players of the game, and thoughts for the next week and, and Big 12, all that stuff. You can hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Sports Heartland on Twitter. Give us your thoughts during the game. If you got questions or you want to add or take away from the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Have a, a great week. Enjoy your football Saturday. We'll talk to you Saturday night. But we're sooner, everybody. <laughs>